This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Happy Thursday, one and all. Welcome to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you from 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. Listen to the show on the Odyssey app. Watch the show on twitch.tv slash BetQL on YouTube. And follow us on X at BetQL Daily. Joining us on the program today, Ian McMillan will give his favorite sides and totals for week eight of the NFL season. And Kenny Ducey is back to preview the World Series. But first, we have some quarterback news to share with you. We will start with the Cleveland Browns as P.J. Walker is in for Deshaun Watson. The line has subsequently moved from Seahawks minus three to Seahawks minus three and a half. The game opened at minus two, Joe. With this quarterback news, how does that change your handicapping of this ballgame? Well, what changes the handicapping is the line. I don't think it's quarterback news because we all knew this was going to happen. Watson was never going to play in this game. It was just a matter of, is this going to be a P.J. Walker game or is this going to be a DTR game? Because if you looked at the depth chart, like it was pointing to DTR as the backup. So there was some confusion early on in the week in the betting market. But for this to go 2-3, then through the 3 to 3.5, this should surprise no one. It's just, how are you going to be handicapping it? Because that's a massive move. I mean, we all expect the Browns defense to have a better showing than what we saw this past weekend. So Seattle laying more than a field goal, a team that has had their struggles offensively. I know they didn't have DK Metcalf on the field this past week, but it looks like he's going to be returning to the field a little bit. And I say a little bit because it's not like he's done a lot this year. So, I mean, like, is that really a big thing for you? Um, Yeah, it's not about the quarterback change. We knew there was going to be a backup. It was just a matter of which backup. Now you have to take this point spread move into account. Yeah, maybe we'll be looking at more Jake Bobo props this week. <laughs> uh, against this defense? How do, uh, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe you won't get I any mean... Bobo attacks. Yeah. I mean, the guy's incredible. He'll find a way to get open. Well, yeah, I mean, he. I think P.J. Walker's done a serviceable job. He ended up getting a contract yesterday, too. So you play well as a backup. Now you get a contract. No other teams can sign him. The whole situation with Deshaun Watson has been an epic failure so far, in my opinion. It just has not worked out. And I get, we talked about it yesterday. How long can the Browns' defense cu- cover up for the Browns' offensive flaws? That is the question because it seems like eventually it's going to catch up to them. Kind of tempted to bet the road dogs here in Seattle. And this is why it's just such a shame uh, that Nick Chubb isn't a part of this rushing attack for the Browns because if he were, then I'm not sure we would be dwelling on the quarterback issue all that much. And this is coming from someone who doesn't, mostly care about rushing attacks and much more cares about passing attacks. But 
you run the ball at, at a ridiculous level, best in football. Your defense is running laps around any other defense in football. Then the Browns could be in contention as being like, you know, second, third, fourth best team in the AFC. But because of these quarterback issues, we are nowhere near that point right now with the Browns to where the more appropriate debate is, will they make the playoffs or not? And to me in this ball game, I, when I'm looking at this matchup, I care a lot less about what's going on at quarterback with the Browns. And I care much more, Joe, about something that you've brought up. And that is if the Seahawks have a Geno Smith problem. I have mentioned before that play action passing for Smith is really what makes him go. But two of the last three games, Geno Smith has had a negative EPA per dropback. And the one he didn't have that negative mark for was against the Cardinals. So should that really count in the grand scheme of things? I think the Seattle offense is where we should be focusing as far as determining who covers the spread. Yeah, I, I'm focusing on the total at this point, too, though. I mean, it's a very low number. We're down to 38. Which team's scoring in this game? Is it the P.J. Walker-led offense? I would bet not. Uh, Seahawks run defense aside from last week, they gave up a bunch on the ground. Uh, they've been terrific. You know, there were some numbers that were saying that they were, they were the best. They're certainly top five. I mean, PJ Walker was re- released by the bears. And then you look at the Geno side. Yeah. They've, they've had their issues and what can they do? Well, well, they can run the football. Uh, are you going to do it in this game? <laughs> I mean, I, I just don't know which <laughs> offense is going to be able to do much. Uh, that's kind of where I'm going. And, and Ed, I think we should talk about the Cleveland side too. So the Chubb injury has been impactful to this offense. With a backup quarterback, you want to lean on the run game. Jerome Ford is now going to be out for this game. They're saying Kareem Hunt's going to play. He did not practice yesterday. It might be a Lions situation last week where he's going to be forced into a lot of action. But, you know, I, I know the Browns have been viewed as a plug-and-play offense when it comes to running backs. But when you get to the third and fourth guy is when it it probably uh, starts to matter a little bit. Well, plug and play, like it's not true this year, right? Like Jerome Ford has never had spectacular numbers. This has not been the case the last few years where if Nick Chubb is out, you still trust this offensive line to make sure that running backs are able to have open lanes. That's not the case this year. So Whatever the reasons for that might be, the truth of the matter is that running backs for the Browns have not been up to snuff. And so now if you're going to backups to the backups to the backups, I think that (laughs) is a significant problem. Now, at some point, you can't get much more of a steep drop off and you are going to be forced to pass the ball a little bit more. I guess my question then is, is P.J. Walker's athleticism going to be any difference whatsoever? Will he be able to get outside the pocket and throw short and be able to move the sticks that way? Yeah, I mean, when you look at the numbers, and it's a smaller sample size than most, he's been the worst quarterback in the league. Like You've got to push the record to the side. I mean, we know why they're winning those games. Last week they won because of Miles Garrett, and that's what happened. I mean, he is – he's the worst. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. Whatever metric you want to take a look at, EPA plus CPOE, like he's dead last. He's 37 out of 37. He's worse than Pickett. He's worse than Aiden O'Connell. He's worse than Dobbs. So, uh, yeah, that, I mean, I keep, I keep going back to that. I'm probably going to stay away from the point spread in this one, but the, the total on both sides, I feel, I find appealing with a couple of good defenses, Aaron. 
I know it is tempting because I could see like a 17 16 final, but then I could see it getting into the 20s and possibly going over. I, I don't know, maybe I'll stick to props. Like, what do we expect out of Kenneth Walker in this game? <clears throat> he had a huge game last week, but it just seems tough to figure out this Browns team with PJ Walker. Have they gotten a bit lucky? And is that going to catch up to them? And when does it catch up to them? And is this the week in Seattle, obviously a tough place to play, but the Seattle Seahawks have been underperforming at times as well and are tough to figure out. This is just a crazy right. matchup. I need more time to assess. <laughs> Maybe 24 hours before we get to our weekend yes, slate on Football exactly. Friday. <laughs> exactly 24 opinion. hours. That, yeah, that's the time <laughs> we get. I, I think also, too, when evaluating Seattle, the Uchina Nuosu injury I think is also significant. I always consider him their, path, their best pass rusher and certainly pass rushing uh, – on the Seahawks side, that's going to matter a great deal with a younger quarterback and an experienced quarterback here. So that's also an element that we will certainly talk about tomorrow on football Friday. Meanwhile, other quarterback news, Brock Purdy for the 49ers is in concussion mm. protocol. It looks like Sam Darnold will be starting for San Francisco. This line has also moved from Bengals plus five and a half to plus three and a half. Let's hear from 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan on his backup quarterback. I have as much confidence as Sam as I could have with someone that I haven't gone into a real NFL game with. Uh, he was great in the offseason. He's been great here in these seven weeks um, so far, and um, he's always ready to go. He's great in the meetings and stuff. He doesn't get many reps, as no backups do, but uh, he does it well in the scout teams, always good in the meetings. And, you know, we got mainly walkthrough today, so Brock's allowed to do some of the walkthrough. And we got a couple of periods that aren't, so Sam will get those periods. We know it's going to be a challenge. We, we relish going on the road and playing in those kind of environments. It'll be a big challenge. It'll, you know, we'll find out a lot about ourselves on Sunday. Kyle Shanahan and then Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow talking about the upcoming contest. I mentioned, Joe, that the line has moved by two points because of this quarterback news. Is two points correct? <laughs> is the MVP of the league worth two points? I mean, that's the conversation that was going on a couple of weeks ago. Like, think about how silly that is now, that the line has moved. He's not playing, okay? Like, you don't go in concussion protocol midweek, and, and then you play. It has not happened this season with anybody. So the betting market is telling us that this dude is worth two points of the point spread. He's not worth going to a key number. A guy that was in MVP conversation and his number was crashing everywhere. Okay. And, um, oh, but we're going to, I mean, we were just talking about plug and play, the, the idea of that. Here you go. Here's the ultimate test, right? Like, what if Darnold steps in and they're just fine? Everything looks the same. I'm not saying they have to win the game, they have to cover the point spread, but the Niners, they don't seem to miss much of a beat, right? Um, that would be pretty eye-opening. That would be uh, where, where all the uh, the purdy haters, whatever you want to call them, would, would come out and be like, see, told you so. They're not going to have Debo Samuel in this game. Trent Williams did not practice again yesterday. Those are other things that we need to keep a close eye on. And, oh, by the way, on the other side, the team that just needs time, needed time to heal, is coming back from the bye I, at three and a half, I still like the Bengals. I do. We talked about it at five and a half the other day. Paul Aspen gave that out. 
And is there a huge difference? Four is a secondary key number. But um, I think this is a really nice bounce-back spot for the Bengals. Not a bounce-back spot for the Niners without so many weapons, at least it seems. Uh, the Trent Williams one will be big, a big story here, Aaron, for, uh, for Darnold's yeah. first game. I agree. They're going to need Trent there. I mean, Trent never practices anyway, so it's hard to look too far into that. He's just that type of dude mm. who doesn't practice. Maybe he will today. He's got an ankle. I do know that he's a tough guy, so he will play banged up if he needs to. So I kind of expect that he will be out there. I mean, Sam Darnold's been in the league, what, six years? I feel like he'll be prepared and ready to go. And as you mentioned, Joe, like the Niners have had a quarterback carousel for a while now. And sometimes they do show that they don't miss a beat. Paul? It's not just Trent Williams. Colton McKivitt yeah. stinks. He's a bottom five graded tackle in the NFL. They did not up like they Mike McGlinchey was bad. They let him go. Colton McKivitt has been yeah. worse, not any better. So mm-hmm. with Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson on the other side, like, it's going to be a problem for Sam Darnold. And we've seen this movie before. It's like Sam Darnold with a good defense. That's what he had in Carolina. And that was a disaster. So I'm not going to say, I guess I'll give Kyle Shanahan a little bit more credit than Matt Rule. But this is a Bengals spot. Oh, and it's, I I like Anarumo with a couple weeks to prepare for this game too. Don't you? Mm-hmm. Like we, yes. knew, we knew the yeah, situation. I, yeah, coming yeah. off of a bye, for sure. I, I I think so. I've got a bet for you guys, and it's not about this game, but it's part of the grand scheme of things. Let's say that the 49ers still look excellent in this ballgame, and you know they wax the floor with the Bengals. Do it with a backup mm-hmm. quarterback and Sam Darnold. Doesn't that make Kyle Shanahan coach of the year? Don't you want to bet on that at 9-1 to one right here, right now? Because if the 49ers really are the best team in the NFC, get the one seed, win this game with all of this adversity, isn't he now the best coach in the NFL this year? Those are two different questions. Do I want to bet on him coach of the year, or is he the best coach in the NFL? I, I'd go with you on the latter. I'd love to have him on my team. I'd love to have him running my program. But is he going to win the coach of the year from these voters? No. I don't think so. If they won this they're game, talent that he has. Yeah, I like I would yeah, get the case. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if I get the the thinking, um, if they, I don't see them mopping the floor with the Bengals. So, like for that reason, I wouldn't bet it. But like under Ed's premise, I see the case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, always a case for him. There. There's always a case, right? I mean, he's phenomenal, but as we know, the best coaches don't win this award. Like, that's it. It's the criteria that's been set by the voters. Correct. I mean, heck, we're talking about coaches who've won this award who may not be at their current posts uh, not much longer. So that's also part of that consideration. Like, there's clowns that have won this award. And that's why why. Coaches Fuck. win this award, right? Nobody was expecting you to do anything because yeah, you're not the best coach around. Everything comes together. Everything falls your way, right? And then they end up winning. And I'm not saying Dave Ball's bad. I'm not saying that. But it's just the expectations were too high for San Francisco coming in. I've heard a lot of people say Dave Ball's bad and shouldn't have won it last year. So I don't know if you would be wrong if you don't think he's that good. 
if you're looking at a spectrum, Dayball is probably closer to being fired than being a Super Bowl caliber coach. I think that's Ooh. safe to say in terms of just the probability of these kinds of things. Uh, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he could, you know, lead Daniel Jones and company really far in the playoffs. I doubt it. But, hey, it could happen. You know, there were <laughs> things about him I was impressed by last year. But still, though, I think there is an argument to be made for Kyle Shanahan. But you need to bet on this now because if the 49ers do win big on Sunday, things change a lot and you lose that value. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our favorite bets for Thursday night football between the Bucks and Bills. That's right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Chris is a stud, man. Uh, I said it from the beginning. He's a pro's pro. Um, Just how consistent he is in through injuries, through everything, he just he's always consistent. So, uh, yeah, we're pretty damn lucky to have him on our team. And, uh, yeah, he just keeps making plays for us. So, like we said, finding completions, getting the ball in his hands, he's going to make plays. This is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Time to talk a little Thursday night football between the Bucks and the Bills. That was Baker Mayfield talking about one of his favorite targets in Chris Godwin. Of course, Mike Evans, uh, also part of that conversation in some way, shape, or form. Uh, Currently, Bills, nine and a half point favorites. Spread is moving in Buffalo's direction with a total of 43 and a half. Joe, where would you like to start? Uh, What do we do with this point spread? (laughs) Circa has 10. Is this a Kyle Trask number? What about the Bills instills any confidence over the last three weeks? And should they be favored by 10 points against a, let's call them mediocre Buccaneers team? I think that that's fair, right? Right. Like, I mean, they're not bottom five. They're mm-hmm. probably bottom 10, 12, somewhere in that range, right? Mm-hmm. Should the Bills be double-digit favorites uh, against a below-average team? No. I don't think so at all. That seems like a big spread, doesn't it, from what we've seen from this Bills team so far? Yes. It is, but my model said uh, 9.5 to 10 is about right. When this was at 8.5, Buffalo was absolutely 100% the side to take. But now it is sharp. This is a great example of closing line value as far as I'm concerned, where you want to pounce on these things early because the spread is moving in the direction I was expecting. Now I don't think there's value anymore, Joe. Okay. I think you're right. Is there an element of teaser protection as well? Because Mm. we we talked about that, like getting through the nine. Maybe that's the only reason we're through the nine, and it looks like we might be getting to 10, but we're probably never going to get to, to that 10 number feels like we might be uh, seeing some teaser protection. Uh, low total. The total's only 43. I've, I view this as a prop game, guys. Um, that's, that's where I'm, I'm looking at as opposed to side or totals. of a lot of questions there. The Bills have had a lot of struggles lately early on in games. I did consider the first half. It, it's so wonky. Like you got to shop around for these numbers. You'll see a four. You'll see a four and a half. I saw some sixes out there 
if you want to do something in the first half. So obviously you want to shop around for the best price. That could be the difference when it comes down to that. But I, I'm really honed in on, on various props. I feel like I have a better angle than side or total. So I'm not doing anything there. Either of you guys going side total in any way. No, but you just got me thinking. I wonder first half under two. Like maybe it's we get off to a sluggish start with both these teams. I mean, the Bucks cannot score. Look at their yeah. schedule. Like how do they put up points? It's awful. Um, and they rank third. Bills rank third rather in defense or offensive DVOA. So I think at some point, this is going to be a Bills get right spot, but I don't know if that means I'm going to bet them on the spread. Yeah, they're 20. Now we're moving towards double digits. It's it's all over the place. Mm -hmm. There's 20 and a half, 21s, 21 and a half. So however you're betting it, make sure you get the best of the number. Yeah, for sure. When I when we're sort of analyzing this Bills offense, and to me that's kind of where the conversation starts as far as looking at props. Josh Allen's advanced metrics tell me he can regroup with more play action and a clean pocket. He will really need both of these elements, I think, going up against the Bucks, where this defense is top-heavy. Like, the reinforcements aren't that strong, but in terms of how they can slow down the run, how they can uh, apply some you know, pass rush pressure, things like that. I think the Bucks can still do those things. The question is, can Josh Allen beat it over the top with Stefan Diggs mm-hmm. and his deep targets, you know, Gabe Davis, things like that. At some point he should be able to. Yes, the recency bias is suggesting that Josh Allen and this offense is taking a step back, but I don't know how long that's going to last. If it does, then this whole thing needs to blow up, right? Because the Bills, especially with the defensive injuries, they can't have a mediocre to slightly above average Josh Allen. He needs to be great, but we've seen him be great. And in this situation, I think he can be. Uh, You know, the market certainly uh, suggests as much. The thing, though, is we look at Josh Allen and passes beyond 10 air yards. His passer rating is only 95. That's average. It needs to be better. I think it can be, but it's more seasons past that's giving me this optimism, not so much anything that's happened over the last few games. If that's the case in terms of betting on props, where do you start if you are assuming explosive plays will be there? Stefan Diggs. I'm going yes. to make that assumption. Diggs mm-hmm. is going to have a big game. That's my favorite prop of the night. Let's take a look at what number, some of these number one receivers have done against the Bucks. Justin Jefferson, nine for 150. DJ Moore and only seven targets had six for 104 when the Bears were not targeting more enough. A.J. Brown, nine for 131. Amon Ross St. Brown, I think he was coming back from injury in that one. 12, 124, and 1. This is Diggs' game. And it's a matter of, do you want to pay the juiced reception one or go with the yardage? And based on those numbers that I just threw out there, I think it's pretty obvious that you've got to go with the yardage. Now, reception is not bad. Diggs has at least six grabs in every game. And I'm not freaking out about what happened last week with only 58 receiving yards for Diggs because we know what Belichick does. He's going to take what you do best and he's going to try and remove that from the game he's not staley he's not going to let kelsey go for 179 he wasn't going (laughs) to let things go for 150 so i i didn't find that all that surprising i like Diggs yardage there's still 85 and a half out there i'm expecting a 100 yard game from Diggs. so if you want to go get a better number on that i i'm sure there are some alt lines involved I think Diggs is in store for a monster night on Thursday Night Football. 
I have a couple bets that I like. I think both of these quarterbacks can easily throw an interception. Parlay and both, you mm-hmm. can find it at plus 234. Uh, Josh Allen is about even money or even better at some places. And then Baker, the best number is about minus 140. Speaking of Baker, my favorite prop here, I think they're going to be playing from behind. He's going to have to pass the ball. I did over 33 and a half pass attempts. He's gone over that in pretty much every game, pulling up his game log. He has 42 in the last game, 37. Uh, October 1st, 32, 25, and 34. So two games he went under. One, he went quite a bit, but 32, pretty close to 34. In the last two games, he went way over 33 and a half. So uh, I like that number for Baker Mayfield, assuming that they'll probably be playing from behind. He'll have to pass the ball. And uh, yeah, it's my favorite prop. I like that look a lot, Aaron, in large part because the rushing attack for the Bucks has been awful. Rashad White cannot move the ball oh consistently God. down the field. It's been just mm-hmm. terrible. So, yes, in terms of knocking off a team that is greatly favored against you, you're going to have to make some throws and complete some passes. And, and certainly that's going to be a part of the deal. I also think Baker Mayfield will probably throw a little bit deeper uh, than perhaps you would normally like. And so this definitely could be something where whatever happens with Mike Evans, that is also a big deal. And Joe, to your point about Stefan Diggs, the Bucks love playing zone coverages. That is largely what they do uh, at one of the higher rates in football. And Stefan Diggs is elite in zone, as you would expect. He's pretty good man as well, but zone coverage that's what makes him special. 459 receiving yards versus zone. That is third highest in the NFL. Certainly against man, better advanced numbers, but just 219 receiving yards at rank sixth. And yeah, he's an elite receiver. It may not matter, but also keep in mind that Connor Allen pointed out Dalton Kincaid is fantastic against zone coverage. In his last game, week seven, he racked up seven catches for 71 yards against zone defense and just one catch for four yards against man. So to me, if the Bucks do not resort to more man coverage, this is a Stefan Diggs game and also a Dalton Kincaid game as well. Yeah, I I thought about Kincaid, but I'm a little concerned. He just had his uh, career high, eight for 75 caught eight catches on 70 on on eight targets so the numbers bumped up i i wouldn't hate it um it's 37 and a half three and a half receptions is the number there to your point on rashad white that's one thing i don't understand what's happening with dave canales like he is so stubborn rashad white right to the middle of the pile again and again and again like i just don't understand it so i was looking at white unders like, do we want to do something where, okay, the Bills are going to run away with it? Are they going to be able to run the ball? But the thing with Canales is he's going to force it. White is getting the rushing attempts. It doesn't matter if they're in a blowout or not. And it's really bothered Baker. I, I've heard Todd Bowles talk about it as well. So they're not they're not all that pleased at times with offensive coordinator Canales. Uh, White under 44 and a half rushing yards would be the way that I would go if you want to do something there. Yeah, I mean – as far as uh, yards after contact per attempt, White's at the bottom. It's 1.1 mm-hmm. on average, 1.1 after contact. He hasn't had much luck there. Uh, we're all assuming it's Baker, right? It'd be a Baker game? I would think sure. so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's questionable. That's, what, that's why I ask, and it keeps mm-hmm. jumping up a little bit. 
Is that referring it's to It's interesting that Rashad. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Question. Questionable as a good quarterback. <laughs> um, it was. Um, Rush attempts for Rashad White, 12 and a half. He had 13 last week, seven before that, and then 15, 14, 17, 17. So it does look like his production like is going down a little bit too in terms of how many times they're getting. I don't know. What do you guys think? Would you look at under there? Is that seems like a sharp number to me. Uh, under is only consideration. Um, he, yeah, he's still right. getting carries when he shouldn't. So based on game exactly. script. So I I don't know. Like, he still had 14 re- uh, carries when they lost to the Eagles 25 to 11. Um, it has dipped a little. I, I'm not messing with the attempts. I'll mess on yeah, the actual. Yeah, I agree. I'd look at the actual production, which is very poor. Mm-hmm. The only way I would go is under, on the yards. And I understand in terms of the Bills defense kind of inviting the run a little bit more, but they're definitely going to do that in a game like this. Like in some random universe, how do the Buccaneers win this game? It's because Baker Mayfield goes nuts. Don't you trust that a good bit more than Rashad White going crazy? Like, yeah, it's a stretch both ways, but I trust Mm -hmm. Baker Mayfield more than I do Rashad White, which is saying something. Okay, so let's play that out. Baker goes crazy game. Who benefits? Where's the ball going? Godwin also questionable, right? Kate Otten? Kate Otten. Yeah, that's it. You win, Aaron. I was waiting for that. I was waiting for Kate Otten. I couldn't resist. That's it. (laughs) Are you betting a Kate Otten anytime touchdown? Or first What's the number? I I probably should commit to the bet and can't, can't. Just, you know, jump I off see a now, right? Five to one on Kada. And I will say, and I don't want to take right. you know, what, yeah, what we played. <laughs> cool. Well, first touchdown's 28, if you want to go that route. Oh, the way goodness. Baker was talking about Godwin coming in has me, I have him circled for this game for a touchdown at least of plus 260. Um, obviously, assuming he's up and healthy, but it sounds like he is going to play. What was he saying about Godwin? He's like, hey, we're lucky to have him. We need to get the ball to him. That sort of stuff. Yeah. Gosh. Kate Otten Here's receiving my question. at 26 and a half? That seems really high. <laughs> well, if if uh, Aaron does bet on Kate Otten first touchdown at 28 to 1, she is in Washington. I am in L.A. What are the odds that I actually hear her scream in excitement all the way here if this happens yeah or throw my phone at the tv if i don't bet it and it happens i could be screaming for a different reason (laughs) the put my ear to the ground (laughs) red zone targets let's see who has more than otten godwin evans white somebody named devin tompkins trey palmer has the same as otten so it's not Terrific. And it's to right. Paul's point, Godwin has been getting targeted a whole lot lately. Mm-hmm. Like we've been seeing him get double digit targets. So that could, that could certainly be not how that started the year. When, yeah. When it comes to props, I try to stay away from players whose stats are all over the place. If you have 43 receiving yards one week and like 15 or 13, a couple others, like that just to me yells, screams, stay away. I don't think uh, this is props. Oh, Godwin doesn't have a touchdown this year. Oh, it's gonna. There's that. Yeah. There's the spot. There is that. There, too. This this is the spot, right? 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, quick discrepancy I wanted to ask you guys about. Mike Evans is set at 56 and a half receiving yards at minus 110. Mike Evans receiving plus rushing yards, 56 and a half at minus 110. Now, I'm not expecting Evans to be used for jet sweeps, but in case he is, is it better to do receiving and rushing if it's the same number? Yes. <laughs> Just in case. Just in what if it yeah. go, what if it goes sideways and he loses ten yards? That would be what's my likelier concern. to happen. Yeah, well, yeah. of course, no, it's it's fair, but what's likelier to happen? You think is it worth the risk? Yeah, probably. Okay, probably yeah. worth. This is Becky Wells yeah. Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we start our preview of the Fall Classic and talk about World Series MVP. That's right here on the Becky Wells Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. This is what you dream about. This is is what you dream (laughs) for. It's what you sacrifice. It's what you play for to have the ability to play on the biggest stage in baseball. And you have to savor it, be honored by it. It doesn't happen a lot. It's it's not easy to get here. So enjoy it. And so that's what I try to take away from it. Uh, probably got better as I got a little older, uh, you know, because it's it's intense out there. And, but still, you you just have to appreciate where you're at. And uh, that's that's what I try to take in myself. This is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM from BetQL. You know, if you close your eyes, that sounds like a beer commercial. Just imagine some mountains, a babbling brook, you know, a nice cold one, and you're hearing Bruce Bochy talk about the world. It it all works together. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. That was Rangers manager Bruce Bochy talking about the World Series. Some are claiming he sounds like scotch and cigars, but I think he sounds like a winner to me. So let's go ahead and begin our look at World Series MVP. Corey Seager, the favorite at 5-1 to one on BetMGM. Dulles Garcia at 6-1. to one. Corbin Carroll, the first uh, Diamondbacks hitter listed at plus 950. Joe, what stands out to you here? All right, let's, let's talk about what we're looking for. I think that's a good, good jumping point. Now, first off, we can go over the winners. Jeremy Pena last year, Jorge Soler, Corey Seager in 2020, Strasburg in 2019, Steve Pierce 2018, George Springer was awesome in 2017, uh, Ben Zobrist in 2016. That one was a clutch play. And in some of these, you're looking for clutch plays. 2021, when we hit on Soler on the show, that was a clutch play too. It was home runs, but it was three go-ahead home runs. And that's why he ended up being the guy who's getting a ton of bad twos at the top of the order that year i'm looking for home run hitters you can't project clutch i mean good luck doing it maybe you can figure out where they are in the order and think they might be in a good chance of driving runs because that is certainly looked at um sometimes it's guys that just hit 400 like last year jeremy pena hit 400 and that was part of his case a couple years ago when seager won it he hit 400 in that series so i impactful home runs and the ability to be up in a big spot, which is almost impossible to predict, but I'm looking at the guys ahead of them in the order, which which can put them 
in that big spot. Um, that's where I'm looking, guys. Are, are we considering pitchers at all? I'm looking at home run hitters. Yeah, I looked at home run hitters, hits, who's been hot, and did consider, well, if you were hot in the ALCS, will that continue? <laughs> Maybe it will cool off a bit. So I like your process, Joe. I definitely trust you since you did hit on the Solaire um, a couple years ago. So um, this is obviously not my area of expertise, but I looked at guys who can hit and come up big. I have not been looking at any pitchers. I think uh, offensive performance is largely the name of the game, especially in a World Series like this one, where, yeah, you've got some outstanding arms here, but we're not talking about Jacob deGrom. We're not talking about 100% Max Scherzer. We're not talking about aces. And we remember the World Series really well, where you had that pitcher or pair of pitchers who are obviously Mm -hmm. going to dominate. And I'm just not sure that we are going to see arms that can go to that kind of level. This is not a Kurt Schilling, Randy Johnson kind of a World Series. This is one where we're going to have a hitter, maybe a younger hitter, come through in clutch situations, especially with some traffic in front of him. And I think that's the guy who I'm going to be eyeing as far as who to bet on. Now, one thing that I have done, and I get that I'm dangerously running into small sample size theater, But Joe, one of the things that I did was I looked at just postseason stats and looked at stat cast numbers. If you only go by what's been done in October, the hitter that qualifies with the second highest ex-WOBA is Christian Walker. I think that's that's where the conversation ought to begin. And I know he's someone we talked about a good bit yesterday with Sean Zerillo, but the more I look into it, the more I'm buying into Christian Walker's possibilities. Now, another thing we should mention, and I know this is obvious guy talking here, but obvious guy says, pick a player from the winning team of the World Series. That's also Mm -hmm. a big deal. So maybe you start with who you think will win this and then which hitter will come up in clutch situations. Also, too, when we're talking about Christian Walker, ex-Woba-Woba difference is more than 80 points in his favor. So assuming these things enjoy positive regression, I think Walker is due for a big bounce back. And if you're betting on the series, which we will do uh, in our next, uh, later on in the show, I look at this and say, if you think the Diamondbacks are going to win this thing, isn't it because Christian Walker has a powerful bat? Yeah. And, and the perception is that, yes, Walker is terrific, heart of that lineup, big part of the reason they ended up getting here. But has anybody been talking about Christian Walker throughout the playoffs? He's kind of fallen back, right? And now we're starting to get some value on some of these Walker props. So for MVP, he's sitting at around 20 to 1. Uh, Sean Zarillo mentioned him as potential RBI leader, right? I think that, yeah, plus 950 you can find there uh, for Walker. Most home runs, also 9 to 1 in the World Series. So, yes, Walker is one of those names that I've circled. Uh, we'll get to it coming up, but that what you mentioned about f- figuring out the winner and then moving forward, you're right. I'm having a tough time doing that, though. Like I don't have <laughs> a strong opinion on who's going to end up winning the series. So that, that's that's the problem for me. Let's bring up Alec Thomas. Don't yeah. we have to? The number is so good. So good. And he does lead Arizona in playoff home runs. He's got four. And he's 35 to one. There is a potential that he ends up uh, not starting some games, but you know, OPS, he's second highest on the team in the playoffs. That number is just 
too juicy to me. And it, it reminds me of past winners. I feel like we've got to got to put something on Thomas at that at that number. What about the as chalkier? far as yeah yeah go ahead Aaron. The chalkier numbers are you like? Is there a range that you look for, Joe? I mean, I'm not looking at ten to one or shorter. Okay. Yeah, there's just too many. This goes too deep. There's too many names that that could potentially win this, and yeah. Most likely winner, is it Garcia? Of course it is. He's on the favorite, and he won the ALCS MVP, and he has by far the most postseason home runs between the two teams. It is most likely to be Garcia. But am I going to bet on it in a short number? Am I going to bet on Corey Seager in a short number because he has a reputation, because he's won this award already? Um, He did hit a few playoff home runs. No, no, because there's just no value. You're expecting someone to continue this home run barrage for a whole other series. When do you see that in the regular season? Like, you know, several home runs, okay, in a a few games. Okay, that's awesome. But does that carry over to the next series against elite competition? It almost never does, right? Like, if it Mm -hmm. did, then this would be headline news and we would be talking about it to this day if it happened in the regular season. So I I think a lot of these things do regress over time, especially uh, going up against different different pitchers. But I'm curious about platoon splits because Nathan Eovaldi is going to go for the Rangers in game one, a righty. Does that Mm -hmm. mean that you want to look at powerful left-handed bats for the Diamondbacks? And we mentioned Alec Thomas would fit that description. But Corbin Carroll, not high on the power list, but he is a lefty and he is someone who can manufacture steals, extra bases, things like that. Corbin Carroll, yeah, it's a slightly shorter number, but is there some play to be had there with him, Thomas, or maybe another lefty? Yeah, you know, we'll we'll get to it with some of the other categories Um, Mm -hmm. because Carroll, the obvious favorite for stolen base leader there, I was considering Carroll. And it's not like... He hasn't hit any home runs in the postseason. As surprising as these playoffs have been, would it surprise anyone if Carroll, who does have a couple homers here recently, if he, the on-base guy, the stolen base guy, ends up being the power guy in this series? Could happen. Exactly. Could happen. And We've even you look at his regular season stats, he's among the best. I mean, during the regular season, I felt like we talked about him much more. So I feel 25 like he homers. is due to be that clutch guy. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. twenty five out in the regular season, so that's that's possible. Um, any other name, Jake? What about some other names? Go ahead. We we have not mentioned your baby boy, so I mean, you might as well. I know he's gonna. I mean, let me tell you, I am absolutely titillated to see Evan Carter as the fifth favorite for this. It's great. Um, I think Josh Young is worth a look, though. Just because yeah. of the homers that he's hit this postseason, he was awesome. He was the starter at third base in the All-Star game, and he's been awesome this postseason. He's flown around around 20-1. to 1. I know he's hitting eighth, but in this Texas lineup, it's not like there's not going to be people on base in front of him. And if he's hitting eighth, that just lines up for a huge spot for him to come up late in the game and be a hero, too. You talk about clutch mm-hmm. spots. So I think Young is a great look there as well. I completely agree on Alec Thomas. Like, the Diamondbacks don't win the championship series without Alec Thomas, without that game four home run, without a couple of the catches that he made. That's just what he brings. So talk about clutch play probability. 
I don't even know if that's an actual thing, but if you look at it like that, <laughs> like he's going to be there. Late inning def- defensive replacement for Tommy Pham. Talked about that yesterday on the base pass. Like I said yesterday, if Arizona's going to get back to their bread and butter of stealing bases and putting guys in scoring position and a little bit of small ball here and there, Alec Thomas is going to be at the center of that the entire time. I completely agree that that number's crazy. I'm going to add some Alec Thomas, and I think I'm going to add some Josh Young too. Josh Young. It okay. looks like Mitch Garver is playing. Uh, he was hitting the ribs in game seven. Uh, so certainly that matters. And and it, it matters a great deal because I wonder if he if he weren't out there or say he's not 100%, you know, maybe kind of wears down over time. How much does the lineup change for the Rangers? Because certainly, you know, with platoon splits, Evan Carter, that, that puts his uh, number of at-bats in question here. But if Mitch Garver starts to wear down, what does that mean in terms of other guys maybe moving up in the lineup? What could that mean for the MVP voting, you think? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of names that people are going to learn about that haven't been watching. Just when you have that World Series moment that people are going to be talking about. Like the some of these that Jake's talking about, people have never seen play. Or they're, they're kind of like background. They've heard of them. Um, a guy that did not pop is having a big playoff so far. But the last couple of years he's one of the named guys what about marcus simeon at the top of that lineup nobody's talking about him hmm. vomit no we're not nothing no thanks <laughs> pass okay pass. pass you want some value darn it i i, I think i'm there no. yeah i I'd probably pass on him too this is thank you all daily presented by ben mgm coming up next ian mcmillan joins us to talk about the falcons Good leading morning. the nfc nfc south which must be a rave experience for him that's right here on the becky network